Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for GWBC Radio's Open for Business. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of GWBC Open for Business, and this is going to be a good one. Today, I have with me Keely Herrick, and she's with K Herrick LLC. Welcome, Keely. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, before we get too far into things, tell us a little bit about your law practice. How are you serving folks? So I am an intellectual property attorney. Um, I specialize in trademarks um, on the transactional side. So I like to say I help people select and protect their brands. Um, I help them choose a brand that's hopefully not going to get them into trouble with anyone else. And uh, if somebody steps into their line, you know, we we try and... um, clear up those conflicts, you know, quickly and easily. So. Now, you mentioned the words intellectual property. Can you share with the listener what that means exactly? Because um, people throw around that phrase or the, you know, the initials IP, but a lot of people don't really understand what that means. Right. Yeah. So intellectual property um, is kind of an umbrella term that covers patents and trademarks and copyrights. So Patents um, protect an invention, like an idea, um, you know, typically for inventions, um, and trademarks really protect your brand. Uh, it can be um, a word mark, you know, or it can be a slogan, like, you know, just do it for Nike, or it can be um, a logo without words, if you think of like the Nike swoosh, um, you know, things like that. So it, it can be anything that is your, your brand signifier. And then copyright protects expression. So, um, you know, if you think of like Gone with the Wind, you know, it protects the actual language of the book, um, you know, or paintings or photographs or or images, things like that. Once it's actually expressed somehow, um, then you can register copyright and protect it that way. And that's for the content of the book. But like a title of a book specifically, um, is it true that those are not protectable? Generally, it, um, you can have certainly a title of a magazine can be protectable as a trademark if you're, you know, you're using that in commerce. Um, and then many things can be protected in one or more ways. Um, so, yeah, so, so tech, you know, typically the title of a book we don't protect. Um, but if you have a series of them, um, you know, like a series of children's books or something like that, you know, then you might also have characters come out of that that could be protected um, in one or more ways. You know, you could merchandise it. There, we we try to look at a business from a lot of different angles and see what there is that, you know, that we should be protecting. But the basics for most businesses is to start with um, the trademark of something, right, to get some protection of some part of your brand under wraps that right. you control? Right. Everybody has Everybody has a brand, right? You know, everybody's got a business name. Um, everybody has a product name. So ideally, before you're going to launch that product into the world, uh, you know, we, you should do some trademark searching, talk with a lawyer to make sure that you're not going to invest your time and money and energy in a brand that might already be owned by somebody else. Um, you know, because that's, that's sort of, you know, the worst thing is, if you're very excited and emotionally invested in this great brand and then, you know, you put stuff on shelves and then all of a sudden you get a cease and desist letter in the mail and, you know, you might have to start all over and, and scrap everything and that can really disrupt the flow of your business, you know. Now, hypothetically, if I, like, say I have a business, say it's a yogurt shop, you know, and it's like, um, whatever, 
uh, abracadabra yogurt. And then I'm in business, say, 10 years, 20 years, and I'd say, you know what? I'm going to franchise, so I want to lock down that name. Does it? Uh, and then I look that last year somebody else opened a, a yogurt shop. Do they win because they trademarked it, even though I've been using it actively for 20 years? Like, how does that come into play? Yeah, it's, so we would typically look and, and do, you know, sort of a comprehensive trademark search and see if there are any other Abracadabra yogurt shops around the country. Um, it, it might be that each of you have rights that are narrowly confined to your specific geographic area, um, whether that means the state that you're in or whether it could even be the county. If there's another one, you know, a couple counties over and you've coexisted for a long time and people know the consumers know that these are two different businesses, then it it would be hard to force either of you at that point to change your name. Um, and it, with regard to expanding, if somebody else has rights already established in a particular area, then you might not be able to expand into that area. Um, you know, and if they have a federal trademark registration, which covers the whole country, um, then it would be difficult for you to expand beyond what you're what you've been doing. Um, so it's, that's why it's, you know, it's, it's better to do searches and know what's out there before you start using your mark. But if there are a lot of you out there, uh, you know, then that sort of affects the, the calculation. It might be that, you know, we can work something out where people use different logos and, and, you know, different colors and things like that to sort of stay out of each other's way. The big concept with trademark infringement, um, is we want to avoid consumer confusion. So we, we don't want a consumer to see these two different restaurants and think that they are both co-owned by the same company um, if they're not, and because we want people to be able to make their purchasing decisions, you know, relying on knowledge of the source, you know, behind a product. Um, so that's the the main concept that we keep in our minds when we're evaluating, you know, how to handle a situation like that. Is you know, are consumers used to seeing these two? restaurants out there coexisting so they know that they're different you know are there so many out there that um that use one or more terms that are in common that you know that people know that they're not owned by the same or is this really something that's a unique term and allowing them to coexist would confuse people those are the big concepts we keep in our heads so that's why there can be a delta airlines and a delta faucet even though they're the same name that there's not confusion that one is the other Exactly, exactly. That's that's the typical example we get, you know, is you don't think your airline is trying to sell you a faucet, you know. So but if it's if it was, you know, Delta clothing and then somebody came out making, you know, Delta handbags, um, that would be much more likely to be confusing because companies that make clothing also typically make handbags. Um, so now what about I've seen like the letters T M next to some words, I've seen an R next to some words, like are those the same thing? Are they different? Like or an S M? Like what is the right. kind of the meaning of those? It seems like they're symbols they're trying to tell related. me something. <laughs> yes, they are they are. They are. It's it's a code. They're all related. Um the big one is is the R in the circle is used to indicate that that is a federally registered trademark. So you're not supposed to use the R in the circle um, next to a term unless you have a current registration for that mark um, for the goods that it's being used on. To to use it when you don't have that, even if you just have an application and you don't have you haven't it hasn't been registered yet, it hasn't gone through the process. 
um, that could be considered fraud. So that's, that's the one we want to avoid uh, making a mistake on. But the TM and the SM are really things that you can use at any point just to indicate that you consider this your brand. You, um, the TM means trademark and the SM means service mark. Um, people use them somewhat interchangeably. The, the real difference between a trademark and a service mark is that trademarks are used in connection with goods and a service mark is used in connection with the services. So typical example I give for that is McDonald's can be both because when it's used on hamburgers or french fries, then it's a trademark. Those are goods, those are tangible physical goods. Um, but it, when it's used in connection with providing restaurant services, then it's a service mark. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a distinction that, that a lot of people mess up and, and might not understand. And that's not that upsetting if you, if you don't get that you know, technically right. But um, you use that just to let other people know you know, I might not have a registration yet, but I consider this to be my brand. Um, so back off and don't use a similar mark, basically. Now, um, what happens, like, say, like, uh, my company is Business Radio X, and we have that registered with Circle R. Now, what mm -hmm. if um, we decide to change the colors or, or kind of dramatically shift the look of it, but it's keeping the same Business Radio X? Does that require a whole new trademark um, application, or is that an addendum to the existing one? How does that work? It depends on how you registered it. If you registered it just as a word mark, so just for the words without any stylization, then it doesn't matter. You can use it in whatever stylization you want um, in order to maintain the registration. But if you registered it in a specific style, then if you change that, if you update your logo, um, the consideration that the trademark office would look at is whether or not what you've done is a material alteration to the mark um, as it was originally registered. So that's, you know, that, that's sort of in their hands to decide. Um, but we would look at it and, and see, you know, whether or not, like if you add or remove a word um, unless it's something like co or ink, you know, some, something really um, insignificant like that. But if it's, if it's adding a real word or, you know, really changing um, the logo, then it might be considered a material alteration. And then you might need to refile if you filed in a stylized form. But like I said, if you filed, the broadest protection is to register it just as a word mark. Now, what's the sweet spot for your business in terms of a client? Do you work primarily with brand new companies that are just starting out so they can get everything right to begin with? Or do you work with existing companies and maybe have a new product line? Or like, what, what's your, uh, who's your client? So, yes. <laughs> um, all of that, yeah. Uh, I, I enjoy, now that I have my, my own practice, I really enjoy having a mixture of working with, you know, really large corporations and, and um, being a part of their team um, and providing them with, you know, sort of um, efficient service, uh, that, you know, that a small firm can provide. But also, it's great to work with startups who are so excited, you know, and, and to help them really, they really can't afford a lot of time to, you know, um, invest in, in a brand that they have to end up scrapping and reworking. So, um it's exciting to work with them as they're initially um, launching a business, but the, you know, the larger companies as well, they always have new products coming out and new slogans and um, new ad campaigns and, and all of that. They're in a, 
they're in a different position because they have so much exposure. Um, you know, everybody sees something that a really large company does and people think they have deep pockets. And so, you know, you have to take that into consideration when, um, you know, advising them versus a smaller company may have much less exposure, but they may have much less risk, risk tolerance, right? You know, so it's, we, we try and, and keep everybody out of trouble and, uh, you know, and keep everything running smoothly so that the businesses can do what they do. Now, how does a business kind of protect their trademark once they have it? Like, how do you even know? Like, if I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia, how would I even know if somebody in, like, Wichita is using my marks? Yeah, um, these days the world is smaller and smaller, right? Um, with social media and, and all of that, uh, people may tell you, first of all. <laughs> they may, they may you know, get in touch with you and and uh, say, hey, I didn't know you had a business here or something like that. But there are also watch services that we can set up that will, um, you know, sort of let us know and monitor things like that. Um, also that, you know, can monitor uh, the trademark office filings to let us know if somebody's filed an application that's similar to, you know, a mark that we have registered or, um, you know, a mark that we're just watching. Um, so there, there are services in place that we can use to help us with that. Um, but often your own clients are, are uh, going to provide you that service as well. So, so now um, registering a mark, is that something that's, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or $10,000? Like well, how much does it cost to kind of register at least your own brand name? Yeah, generally, no. Um, generally it's, it's not that expensive. Um, you know, we can, we can, I do as much as I can on a flat fee basis. So, um, you know, we, we work with our clients to uh, do things in a way that's, that's affordable to them. Um, and it's more the, the timing issue, I think, that people may be surprised by if you're trying to register a mark federally. So, you know, get protection throughout the U.S. Um, the fastest that that may happen from the date of application would be about nine or 10 months. Um, and it typically can take significantly longer than that. Um, so it's, that's something people may think that you can file an application and then, you know, the next week you get a registration, but um, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, but in terms of cost, no, it can be uh, easily, you know, just a, a couple of thousand dollars, um, you know, it, but if it's the only way that it gets expensive is if somebody files what's called an opposition against your application. Um, and at that point, then you could get into what's like a mini litigation um, back and forth if you if you fight over uh, who has superior rights to the mark. Um, that said, you don't have to go forward with something like that. If you get an opposition and you decide, I, you know, you'd rather not pursue it, you know, you can just stop. You can abandon the application and stop spending money and then, you know, choose a different mark at that point and start over. But um, so it's, it, it, it can get expensive, but only if you're really engaging in, you know, a, a battle and that you're choosing to continue to engage in. Now, tell me about your relationship with GWBC. Uh, have, how long have you been involved with them, and uh, what have, how have you benefited from the relationship? Yeah, I um, we got registered very quickly after we um, after we formed the firm in 2015. Yeah, so um, so a few years now, and 
I've enjoyed the, I like doing the, their like tables of eight, their networking events. Those are, you know, their lunches. Those are pretty fun. It's nice to meet the other um, business owners. Um, and I've found that a few of my, the larger corporate um, clients like to see the certification, you know, because they like to know for their records that they're using a certain number of, you know, women, minority and women owned um, businesses as part of their team. So it helps that way. Now, uh, if somebody wanted to learn more about your firm or have more substantive conversation, do you have a website? I do. It is uh, um, com, and uh, my contact information is on there, so you can send me an email and set up a time to talk. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. All right. Once again, if you want to get a hold of uh, Kaylee, her website is law. Dot com. Once again, Keely, thank you so much for being part of the show. Thank you. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on GWBC Open for Business.